to see everybody, man. Good to see everybody on Facebook, man. My name is Casey, uh, one, of the, one of the pastors serving alongside you guys. I think I've met everybody in here, but uh, if I haven't met you, I apologize. Grab me after the service uh, by the neck if you have to. And uh, some people like to do that anyway, you know, so especially Amelia. Where's Amelia back there? She was, she was giving me a hard time. She's about, um, I don't know, how old is Amelia? Maybe three, I think, four or something like that. But uh, yeah, she loves to just smack me and give me a heart, you know, that kind of thing too. So I tend to smack back in a, in a loving way, if that's cool. So some of, the, some of the youth up here, I was like flicking their ears and blaming it on the others. It's the way it goes, man. It's the way it goes. Got a youth pastor in the house, man. He's a firefighter. Been, uh, Schneider's been, uh, been uh, putting out fires, literally, for, uh, for the last few Sundays, man. It's good to have you, in the, have you in the house, brother, man. And so thank you for all the folks that work with youth. Uh, Pam, you got Alvin and Kendra, you got uh, all, all you guys in the house. And anybody who wants to work with youth, man, just uh, see this guy, see Pam Sill. Thank you all very, very much. For all that you do, we got a lot going on in the uh, in our uh, um, church and in our city and that kind of thing too. We had some wild things going on uh, with our, in the political world in the in the city this week. So if you were on the online service on Thursday night, we were praying for that. Uh, thank thank you guys for doing all that. It's a, it's a lot going on. Uh, we have uh, I, I want to share with you too something that that I haven't shared with you, there was a little bit of confusion about uh, the Easter slash Resurrection Sunday services. Let me explain it, because if you looked on our Facebook page, it said they're going to be online. They are, but we are going to have it in-house as well. So we're going to have a Good Friday service, uh, on, on, and that's the first, first Friday in, is it, yes, yeah, first Friday in April. Is that April 1st? Or is it April, April 2nd? April 2nd. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. So, dang, it's going to be April Fool's Day. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Just show up and not even show up. You know, like, hey, April Fool's. No. But, uh, but yeah, so we're going to April 2nd, 6.30, we're going to have a Good Friday service outside. Uh, the Sunday morning service, we're going to have a sunrise service at 7 o'clock here. Uh, and, and, by the way, that is the official sunrise of that day, of, 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 of Resurrection Sunday. It's really cool, right? So the official one is 7 o'clock. We're actually going to have a sunrise service here at 7 o'clock outside. Uh, then we're going to have three services inside, one 815, 1-9-30, o'clock. I think the 9-30 and 11 o'clock might be live-streamed online as well, but definitely, uh, sorry, I said, yeah, 11 o'clock. And the 11 o'clock is going to be for sure live stream. So we're going to have, uh, but invite, 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 invite people online. Guys, our online initiative that Pastor Pete is, is heading up is blowing up. We are getting lots of stories, lots of people watching, lots of people seeing it, uh, that kind of thing. And as you guys know, our, our whole online initiative is set so that we can set a, a new city in every city in Kansas City. We want pa people pastoring in their neighborhood. So if you're interest, interested in what we're going to be doing, see Pastor Pete. Guys, if you're online at the Facebook Live uh, or, or fa on Facebook Live in our live stream and you're interested in doing a, uh, like pastoring your neighborhood and learning how to do that, like comment on it. So let us know what you want to, that you're wanting to do that. We want pastors in every neighborhood in Kansas City. Amen. And man, what would happen if that happens is the, the gospel spreads like wildfire and it changes the landscape of a city spiritually in a lot of ways. So really proud for all the things that are going on. Man, I love, 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 love our involvement in our community. I love the fact that we are uh, discipling people. We've got a couple of 
discipleship group said, and you guys may or may not know who everybody that's in them, but um, if you could be praying uh, for our Tuesday night, uh, we, we start meeting at 6.30 on the dot. We get rolling, right? And, and so if you guys that, that would be praying for us as a, as a discipleship group, um, also meeting with somebody on Thursday mornings at 7 o'clock, I would ask that you guys be praying for that. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of spiritual warfare happening and that kind of thing. And, and we're talking about this journey to the cross, right? Of like, what does it look like and how do we respond to Jesus triumphantly entering into Jerusalem? Now we know what's gonna happen next. He's gonna be crucified and he's gonna rise from the dead. We got that perspective from it and it should give us some confidence and some, frankly, some, some spiritual swagger Knowing that our Lord rose from the dead, Amen. Amen. Right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, wake up! I know the time changed and everything, baby, but we all right. I'm waiting for somebody to show up here in a few minutes. Like, what in the world is going on? They put the coffee away and everything already. What? Like, it's a, what are we done here? So, actually, I did that when I was a, when I was serving as a greeter at my last church, uh, and we were at my last church for uh, I think man, 17 years or something like that. If you guys know Jim Harris, he was in the first service. He was actually my first Sunday school teacher. So if you know Jim, uh, say thanks a lot, Jim. This, a lot of this is your fault, right? So, but, but man, it's really cool. I walked in, it was after this, uh, after the, we sprung forward, right? And I'm walking in, I'm already like, what the heck? And they're giving like the closing prayer. I'm like, it's, a, it's the weirdest, oddest feeling, you know, like, what, what's going on, man? What are you, you know, and then, of course, everybody's laughing as I'm walking in. They're like, <laughs> got you, right? I just think God quit jacking with it. Just quit jacking with it, right? Just quit messing with it, man. It's a government conspiracy. I know it is. Just kidding. Don't come after me. I'm just kidding. But everybody's like, yeah, that's true, man. That's what I was thinking. No, 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 no. It was just a joke. Um, but I don't know why they still do it. Is there a reason? Somebody help explain that to me. Not now. We'll talk later. But we're talking through this whole idea of this journey to the cross where Jesus last week, which blows my mind. There are hundreds of prophecies predicted in the Old Testament that came true in the New Testament. Even a specific one like he's going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And, it, and it, like it still makes my knees knock a little bit, knowing that all this had been written down, right? All these things, like his hands and feet are going to be pierced. He's going to be buried in a rich man's tomb, and, and, and he's going to rise from the, from the grave. All these things are predicted, and Jesus himself even said this is going to happen. But it still blows my mind, right? That, that God is so real that he can predict, the, that, not just predict, he knows everything. Knows the past, knows the future, knows the present, knows our thoughts, all those kind of things. And I dig that. And one of the things that Jesus, who is God, who comes in the form of a man, uh, if you read John 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, and that word becomes flesh, who's made his dwelling among us full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. He comes in and, and he fulfills all these prophecies, right? Which just blows my mind. And in John, and in Mark 11, we went through Mark, a little bit of Mark uh, 10 and 11 last week, after Jesus does this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, check this out. The next day, verse 12, and you can follow along on your app if you want to and, and, and fill in the blanks. So we don't have a whole lot of blanks today, but you can send that stuff to yourself and, and that kind of thing. Check this out. The next day, when they came out from Bethany, he was hungry. After seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves, he went to find out if there was anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but 
leaves. Because it was not the season for figs, he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Jesus brings kingdom no matter where he's at. We understand this, right? Jesus makes everything better. And if you read the scriptures, every time Jesus enters into something, he makes it better. This is the one exception. He curses a fig tree, and, and, and I'm going I'm to share with you the rest of this, this passage, but, but I want us to be thinking about something, the, the way we need to be thinking about passages like this. Because here's what my, a lot of my buddies tend to do. And, and I'm, not, I'm not knocking them, but I want to make sure we do everything when we read the scriptures, we do everything we can to make sure that we're, we're reading it and, and following it because we love Jesus, not because we want to accumulate knowledge. Amen? Like what I want us to do is, is be, be thinking, rather than geeking out on what the fig tree represents, Geek out on how we respond. Geek out on, man, how can I show Jesus? Not that we could ever, like, he's done all the work, and I don't ever want to say you got to earn his love. He loves you, and out of that natural, that, that, that supernatural love, man, we do what he says. I'll explain that in just a little bit, but, but there's something about this fig tree that people just tend to, to, to wig out on big time, and, and here's the deal. Like if we love Jesus, according to John 14, and that, by the way, John 14 and 15 is your homework this week, both those, those chapters. But if you read John 14, he says over and over, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And he even says, if you don't love me, you won't do what I say. And so here's what I want us to be. Whenever you read scripture, I want you to ask the question, how do I obey Jesus in this passage? Out of that will come intense Bible studies and intense understanding of the scriptures because you're not just trying to accumulate knowledge, you're trying to be obedient to Jesus, not to show him that you love him, but that you love him. It's out of that love that you, that you, will, you will find this. John 14 Check it out. Dude, it is heartbreaking. It is earth-shattering. When somebody says to, to me, and, 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 I, and I tend to correct, no matter whether they know I'm a pastor or not, I'll ask a lot of questions when somebody says things like, I love me some Jesus. I'll ask questions like, cool, what does that mean? That's a fair question, right? What, is that, what does that mean? Because if, if somebody's going down the road and they're obedient to Jesus, that's evidence that they love him. But if somebody's going down the road and they're not obedient to Jesus, they can say they love Jesus all they want, but the fact of the matter is they don't because Jesus says, if you don't do what I say, you don't love me. Whew. Right? It's, and it's not this, ob, ob, how do you say it? Obligatory? Is that right? It's not, it's not an obligation. How about that? I'll try not to sound smarter than I really am. I, I checked out some big words before I got on stage today. It's, it's not something you have to. It's something you get to because you love Jesus. This is what he said. It's like, let's not put the cart before the horse, right? And I know a lot of times people will say things like, 
<laughs> I love Jesus, but they don't have the actual, uh, I don't know, they don't have the actual evidence of that, and, and they don't actually do what he says, and they actually are quite disobedient to him in a lot of ways, and they say they love him because they made some proclamation of faith a long time ago, or it's popular, or it's, you know, they just want to, you know, we're Americans, or so Christians, or whatever, like whatever it is. They'll say these things a lot of times, but they won't actually do what he says. They actually don't love Jesus if they don't do what he says. And this is the, the pattern that we see. And, and a lot of times, People will read scriptures and they'll geek out and study the snot out of those scriptures, right? And they'll go and, and they'll find out. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do this. I'm just saying the motive behind doing this has got to be out of love and a, and a desire to be obedient, right? And then when we, look, when we look at the scriptures and we can say, what does a fig tree represent? You can find out in Josiah, uh, Nahum, you can see in, uh, I think it's Isaiah, you can see in, even John the Baptist references this, fig tree represents Israel. Woo, got it, right? Boom, I'm there. And you can walk away and never be obedient to Jesus. And I love studying the Bible. And I'm not against studying scripture. I am, I am against studying the scripture so that you can, like any of us can just, accumulate knowledge about what God's word said. Here's the deal. Do you realize that Satan knows more than we can ever learn about the Bible? Hey, on Facebook, did you know that Satan knows more than you can ever learn about the Bible? The fact of the matter is Satan saw it being written. Satan knows it in every language, in every translation. He knows it in the Greek. He knows it in the Hebrew. He knows it in the Aramaic. He knows it in the French and the... Are there other languages? <laughs> Espanol, man, he knows it. Oh, in English, yes, yes, in English. He knows that, right? He knows every... Translation in the most remote of tribes, he knows it. He understands it. Like, better than probably we actually could unless we're obedient to the Lord. See, I, I, I don't know if you guys, some of you guys, we got a lot of new people coming to the church and I can think a lot of new people online. It's awesome. And I like to, about every six months, do a test to see our spiritual acumen is that the right word? I use a lot of words I really don't understand today. <laughs> you guys know I'm not that smart, right? I just ask simple questions. Seriously, I, just, I, I, I look at things logically. I look at stats and facts and figures and things like that. And I just look at things logically. I'm like, some, like I look at scripture and it literally in James, it says, don't be mere hearers of the word, but actual doers of the word. Huh, what does that mean? I, I just look at it and go, this is exactly what it says. Here's the test I like to give out. Um, and, and, and like, check us out, on, check this out online. Like, respond in here verbally. When I ask questions, I love people to answer them, right? I really do. It's kind of like, unless you, it's obviously rhetorical, but I really like the response, man. So let me ask you a few questions. Number, number one, do you believe Jesus really is the son of God? Yes. By the way, if you don't, don't lie in church. Say no, it's cool, right? I'm just, just giving us a giving us a perspective here. Do you believe that the Bible is actual word of God? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave? 
Do you believe that he is seated on the right at the right hand of God the Father right now? Do you believe that everything that was written about him in the Old and New Testament is absolutely true? Do you believe he truly is the only way to heaven? You believe he's the, the, the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he is coming back soon for his church? And we got to get ready for that. You believe that, right? Do you believe Satan and his demons know all this too? And they're ramping up the stuff that's going on and they're trying to get people pulled away because God is coming back for his people. Do you believe that Satan and his demons know this too? Right, so... Here's, the, here's my, my, my ultimate question. If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he's, he died on the cross, rose from the grave, that he is literally the one who came as God in the form of a man, full of grace and truth, lived a perfect life, died for you and me, counted among thieves, buried in a rich man's tomb, rose from the grave, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. You believe all that. Satan believes all that. There's got to be a difference between you and Satan. That's my question. What's the difference between you and me and Satan? Ponder this, man. Think about this. This is heavy duty, man, because how many of us are trying to be more like Satan rather than trying to love Jesus? It's a big deal. How many of us want to geek out on what the fig tree means at the expense of our obedience? It's a big deal. The fact is, who said it? Somebody said it. It's love. The difference between us and Satan is that we don't just know the Bible and don't just study the Bible to try to be more like him. We love Jesus, so we study Scripture in order to love Jesus more and figure out how to love him. Amen? Great commission, right after he rose from the grave, right before he was ascended to heaven, he told, pulled his guys aside in Matthew 28 and said, the, and said in, in verse 16, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, check this out, to a mountain where the Jesus had directed him, directed them. When they saw him, verse 17, they worshiped, but some doubted. Some were, there's a lot of things about doubt. We can geek out on that, but basically... Man, they're afraid, they're afraid of what they're going to have to do by following Jesus. Man, the whole world's going to reject them, right? Check this out. Jesus came near to them and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Observe or obey Everything I've commanded you, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So when you read John 14, and he says, if you love me, you'll be obedient to me. He's saying to his disciples, go and baptize. Yes, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Absolutely evangelize and share the good news, but then teach them to be obedient. Why? Because they love me. If you teach them what the scriptures say and don't teach them to be obedient, that's disobedient to Jesus. Amen? Woo! All this for a fig tree? Yeah. 
Listen to what he says in John 15. I am the true vine. And my father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. It's starting to sound familiar. What we're talking about this fig tree. What did Jesus say? I see that you bear no fruit. You are already... Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain. What does remain mean? Stay. Yeah. Some make it very complicated, right? It's, it's already complex enough and so many nuances in the scriptures and things like that. Sometimes it's just really plain. Stay with me, right? I hear people say things like, I've got... And so the other translations say this is abide in me, right? And some people say, I got my abide time in this morning. I'm like, really? I, I, what does that mean? It means I had a quiet time and that kind of thing. Well, you have an abide time? That's weird. Because abide time means you're with him and then you stop being with him. I mean, it sounds like a weird thing, but we've got to be careful how we talk to ourselves a lot of times, Right? I just stay with Jesus, do what I can to stay with, with Jesus. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I'm encouraging us to stay with him. Quiet times are awesome. Times of study are awesome. But we're supposed to be with him all the time. Right? That's what he says. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, stays on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. What can we do without Jesus? Whew, okay. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he, and he withers. Keep that in mind. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. Ouch. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Okay, there's a lot here. Here's what I want us to be thinking about. Because again, just like the fig tree that we can geek out on, we can do a six-week Bible study on what the fruit means. We can do uh, a six-week Bible study on what burning means and being thrown into the fire. By the way, commentaries, you can read them all day. They'll say something different. They will. And by the way, and, and the whole idea about burning, no commentary, it, it, like anyone that I've ever read, sounds like it's a lot of fun. But here's how a disciple that loves Jesus looks at this. I love Jesus I'm staying with Jesus and I'll find out what fruit means. Because he says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, meaning it's a promise. And, and, and I think based on the scriptures, based on the context, it means making more disciples and it might mean fruit of the spirit or it might be all of that, but I'm gonna find out, you know why? 
Because I love Jesus and I'm remaining in him. That's, it's, it's a promise. It's that, let's not do a study on what this means. Let's actually be obedient to him. And maybe a study will follow because we want to be obedient to him. But ultimately, if we just accumulate knowledge and don't actually do what he says, we're not going to bear fruit anyway. Oh, and guess what? In the burning part, doesn't apply. Don't have to worry about it. It's going to suck for whoever's not with him, but, but I'm, remain, I'm going to choose to remain in him, and I'm going to try to do whatever I can to teach other people to do that so they don't have to worry about what it means to be burned. Amen? That's a big deal. And we can, man, we can study all this stuff and never actually do what he says. We can study it and become more like Satan rather than loving Jesus and being obedient. Mark 11, we'll finish back up in here. They came to Jerusalem, starting in verse 15. And he went into the temple complex and began to throw out those buying and selling in the temple. He, oh, this is awesome. He overturned the money changers like, boom, fig tree, no fruit for you, right? I feel like the Seinfeld soup Nazi. It's a fig Nazi, right? No, no fig for you, right? You're not gonna curse the fig tree, right? And then he goes into the temple complex and he overturns the money changers' tables and the chairs of those selling doves, and he would not permit anyone to carry goods through the complex. Bottom line, there were, his people were getting ripped off by the money changers. So let's just go with that. Study that all you want to. Get into that all you want to. But, but here's the, something that people don't realize. This is actually the second time he did this in the temple. The first time, he was on the Sermon on the Mount, right? And he says, basically, hey, gives the beatitude, blessed are you the peacemakers, blessed are all those kind of things. Um, and then he, you know, like the model prayer, all this kind of stuff on the Sermon on the Mount, right? And then he comes off the Sermon on the Mount and starts throwing, throwing tables over at the, at the temple. At that time, the children were praising his name. It was weird. It was wild, right? This time, check what happens. Then he began to tease them. Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. Then the chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to destroy him. They had enough of this guy. They knew who he was now, right? He'd been with his, his boys three plus years and made a name, quote unquote. I mean, being popular among a lot of people, fed 5,000, you know, that kind of thing. Word kind of spreads and now they know who he is. He's coming in and doing this again. Man, he did it when he was not well known. When he first got, you know, uh, got on the scene, if you will, he did it. But now he's doing it now? No, this is not going to happen. They were afraid of him because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. And whenever evening came, they would go out of the city. Early in the morning, as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree withered up, withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. Now see if this doesn't sound familiar to what he was talking about in John 15 about remain in me and I in you. And whatever you ask in my name, he'll give it to you, right? Jesus replied to, him, replied to them, have faith in God. I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Caveat, this is done for people that remain in Jesus. And here's, here's the deal. If Jesus wants it, we want it. 
And when we pray for it, he gives it because it's what he wants because we're so aligned with him and remaining in him. As soon as we say, I want this, I know Jesus may not want this, but, but I really want that and that kind of thing. So I may pray for that, see if it'll happen. That kind of, just align ourselves with Jesus. It, it, it takes sometimes a lifetime of figuring this out. But this is not prosperity gospel. Said if you want that riches and if you want that thing, if you want your best life now, So do I want what he wants? Do I really love him? And what he wants is my obedience. And out of that, if he wants something for me and I ask for that, he gives it. Amen? Amen. Maybe he doesn't want that mountain. I heard people say things like, man, I went home and I forgot, like it said that in the Bible, and I went home and I said, all right, right, Jesus, I want to move this pen from there to there. And it didn't do it. So I just like, this is a bunch of bull. He didn't want what he wanted. You're trying to, like, he's not a magic genie. We rub our Bibles and he pops out and gives us three wishes, right? It's like this alignment that we're so in him and he's in us. We're just part of this, this vine that's so powerful that we just want what he wants, right? We can't bear any fruit. Even if we don't understand what fruit is, we'll figure it out when we're in him and he's in us. Amen. Therefore, I tell you, all the things you, at, you pray and ask for, believe that you have received them, and you'll have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Sounds like the Sermon on the Mount again. By the way, people say you repeat yourself a lot. I don't. God does in his word. Forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive your wrongdoing. There's a bracketed text that's not in some of the original text, but I'm going to share it because he also said it on the Sermon on the Mount. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. Wow, man. So you mean I got to forgive people even though they wrong me? Even though they... Yeah. Yeah. If you love him. But it's a get to, not have to, right? is all these things. See, I think that yes, the fig tree represents Israel. Yes, there's all kinds of talk about what those things represent. I also think that this is a practical thing that the disciples can remember when he said, remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. But if you don't, you're gonna get cut off, right? You're gonna get, my sustenance is gone. Like it's it's something that when he, it's a practical example of the standards of the commands of God. Some people are visual learners, right, like me. Some people listen and hear real well. Some people read and learn real well. I'm a visual guy. That's why I like to learn from videos and all these kind of stuff. It's one of the reasons why I love our online presence and things like that. I can watch it and go, right? I learn a lot more. It helps me a bunch. And some, like, like Jesus met his guys where they were and said there's a practical example of a godly Standard of remaining. Amen? And so we want to we wanna love him. We want to teach other people to love him and be the disciples that we are supposed to be. So here's what I want you to do. This week, I'd like you to take a half hour this week. I've done this a few times. And people have really responded. It's kind of neat. I want you to take a half an hour this week and, and ask yourself, a very 
Simple question, but ask yourself, am I a disciple? Because what does a disciple do? A disciple obeys Jesus because a disciple loves Jesus and shows other people how to be obedient to the commands of Jesus. Like, what does that look like? How am I a disciple of Jesus? Am I a disciple? Read John 14 and 15. It will rock your world. When you read it, you go, whew, this is a big deal. It's not just knowing Scripture. It's actually being obedient. It's actually doing what Scripture says, just like James says. Be not just hearers of the word, but, but doers of the word. So take that, right? And then ask yourself, what do I got to do to be a disciple? <clears throat> and I'm going to leave you with this one thing. I, I thought about not putting this out on, on the interweb, but I'm going to do it. Two minutes and we'll be, we'll be finished up and I'll pray. But I have a, a friend of mine who I am uh, discipling one-on-one. He hasn't given me permission to say his name publicly, so I'm not going to do that. Um, and a matter of fact, it's, it's interesting that in our discipleship groups, we actually don't say anything that goes on in them um, outside of those, those groups. But I will tell you that um, when we first, it's my friend, he, he, we first met over coffee a couple of months back. And he's a pretty famous guy in a lot of circles, um, written a lot of books. He's gone through... Um, like is asked to speak all over the world um, or all over the nation and parts of parts of the world and things like that. Been in ministry for about thirty plus years or so, twenty something plus years. Um, ever since he was, you know, in his teens, actually, written books. Got a lot of like, a, as far as uh, familiarity and famous stuff and a ministerial accomplishments. I mean, I ain't got none of that, right? I ain't read no books. Nobody's asking me to come speak at their conventions or anything like that. And, you know, none of that stuff, right? No, no famous people know me. And I don't have, you know, like, like I, and I'm cool with that. I've already told you guys, I'm cool with like preaching and being forgotten, right? But I sat with him at, with coffee. And after all his accomplishments, we started talking about discipleship. And I asked him, what is discipleship? And it's the standard, you know, well, you know, sharing your life with Jesus, teaching them what he says, that kind of thing. And I'm like, that's not what he said. He said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And making disciples is, is teaching people to do what he says. Baptizing, yeah, but it's actually teaching people to be obedient to what Jesus, because we do love him. And the dude turned kind of pale, honestly. And he in his humility, said, I'm not a disciple. <laughs> I'm like, wow. He said, I've never been discipled. I don't even know how to disciple. And in his humility, I'm nobody, right? I'm proud of that. I like that. But he said, would you disciple me? Wow. Right? And so this is when I say, when you... Go and ask yourself, are you a disciple? Man, be like my buddy who's got a lot of ministerial chops and admitted he's never been a disciple. Amen? Is that cool? And, and ask yourself humbly, and, and I, am I really a disciple or am I just a Christian because that's what I call myself? 
because I go to church and I serve and I, all those things are great. But I'm asking, are you, are you an actual disciple because you love Jesus and you do what he says because you love him? Amen? Amen on Facebook. Father, we love you. Um, there are a lot of opportunities for us to be busy spiritually. And there's nothing wrong with study. There's nothing wrong with mission trips. There's nothing wrong with serving in the church. There's nothing, nothing wrong with going and feeding the homeless. There's nothing wrong with, with going visiting people in prison. All these kind of things, Lord, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But if we don't do those things because we love you, that's wrong. And so, Father, may we learn to love you. Because we'll probably be pretty busy obeying you if we love you. May we never be busy because we're trying to avoid being obedient. May we be obedient and have this renewed energy and passion for you that no one can stop. And the energy comes from, from you, which is endless. Man, we love you, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunity to, to be awakened to these things because your word says we're to be awakened. And your word is very clear. We love you and we are obedient to you. And the studies and the ministry and the serving and the missions all come out of that love for you, not out of a sense of obligation because we're Christians. And we love you, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody in here says, amen. everybody online says, amen. Love you guys. Blessings. Awesome.